Welcome to Crush Fictionally. I'm Michelle Veray, and with me, as always, is Kimberly Tron. And we are talking feminist men. I said, put down feminist dudes. I hope that doesn't affect uh, I offend any down dudes out dudes. there. Okay, good. I had feminist <laughs> dudes in my notes. So, anyways, we're talking about dudes, men, gentlemen who support ladies who are feminists in their own right. I'm they excited. are not intimidated. They are not intimidated by a woman's power, a woman's presence. In fact, they are supportive of it. Yes. Uh, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. My question, my and character. It turns out to be the hottest kind of male character. Otta, I find. You read our mind. That's we- exactly what I said to Kim on a right before you joined. I said, my question for us today to start off this episode is, what is the hottest thing a guy can do? And we were be like, a- <laughs> be a feminist. <laughs> so you read our yeah. minds. Yeah. It's so true. Like, I, uh, there is nothing more, I don't know, disappointing to me than a man who, who just can't like see me as an equal like why is this so hard like why can't you take my notes why can't you know why can't you take my advice why does it have to be this like uh, yeah i mean as someone who's worked in corporate america and in technology mm-hmm. uh which is a very male dominated industry uh it has popped up time and time again but i i'm not going to lie i i think there are I think the tide is changing. I think men are, uh, at least for me, my experience, I can't speak to obviously everybody, but in my own personal experience, I've, I've had a lot of great experiences with men who are really open to treating me as an equal. And it sounds crazy to say those words out loud. I feel like, I feel like I'm living in 1955 and being so, I don't radical for saying stuff like that, but <laughs> it, it shouldn't be so hard, right? I don't know about you guys. Uh, Anna, do you feel the same with your work situations or how your career has progressed? Oh, that's such a hard question because I think uh, I definitely have many male bosses who are feminist or have had male bosses who are feminist. My bosses right now, very feminist, mm-hmm. very like, I mean, who knows? I don't know them personally, but they seem very feminist. And that, cool. Yeah. But I've also, and this comes from working in comedy, I think, when I was first starting out, worked on like non-union shows, some non-union shows with male bosses who maybe thought they were a feminist mm-hmm. and had daughters. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. But were a little outdated and even though they respected me i think didn't always listen when i was like this is offensive Mm -hmm. Um, because you have to have those conversations like i feel like in sketch comedy too where it's like "Mm, we can't really make this joke but they were older and Uh (laughs) uh-huh yeah 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 i mean uh, yeah comedy um uh, as someone who also, we both, uh, Anna and I have both studied at UCB, have performed at UCB. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Uh, there have been many a time where I have been in a class, a class and people, men have underestimated me. Uh, I don't know if they look at me and they think, oh, you're, they conjure up whatever they conjure up in their mind. You're a woman, you're a woman of color, you're whatever. Um, and they, 
I don't know, put me beneath them somehow. I'll never forget a very pivotal moment where I was in, um, I want to say a class with Johnny Meeks and he was super supportive of me, has always been um, a really supportive teacher and advocate for me at UCB. Mm -hmm. And uh, I can't remember exactly the moment, but someone basically, you know, in improv, you quote unquote, give a gift, right? And you're, you're trying to help out a scene. And someone completely ignored me uh, and what I had to offer in the scene. And I'll never forget Johnny calling it out. And it was a guy, of course. And it, mm-hmm. it uh, I, I'm sure, you know, these are young guys and I'm sure all of them think that they're feminist. And this leads me to my very long winded way of saying like, we really have to watch out for the fake feminist. And I don't even know if they even know that they're a fake feminist, right? They they think that they're a feminist, but deep down, they they still have all of society's, edu- you know, uh, media and uh, weird habits built into them, teaching them oh, how yeah. they should treat women, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, comedy. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's, it's subtle, it's insidious. And I think it's, it's kind of works the same with race where it's like all liberal people are like, I'm not racist, but are like all liberal white people are definitely racist. Uh, (laughs) Well, and it comes out like it can come out in such subtle ways. And I think my experience has been in working in tech is maybe not as positive as Kim's has, has Mm. been, um, I think that when I first started out, I had, when I was an intern, I had a really great boss and he was really supportive of me. And I came from an all girls high school. So maybe I was holding on to this disbelief that women can do anything and glass ceiling. What? Like all the, like I held on Mm. to a lot of that and I really, truly believed it. And I think that my family reinforced it in a very positive way. And it wasn't until I graduated from college and I went out into the working world that just on exactly what you were saying that there were just, there's like little comments or little like, you know, insidious things said here and there that are sometimes, so subtle you will miss them Mm -hmm. but I was definitely there were definitely things said to me and you know comments made and things done that were just made it very clear that I was not that that I was to be in my place I think is probably the very generous way to put it um and I think even within the last 10 years where it's a lot of oh that was just a joke like, uh, uh-huh, you yeah. should walk behind me or you should sit behind me because you're a woman. Ha ha, that, Michelle, that was just a joke. Mm-mm. By mm. by grown men who've been working for in a long, for a long time and successful in their job. Um, so uh, it's definitely something that I think exists. And I think there are people, like, I'm sure if I went up to any of those people and said, hey, that was that was really rude or that really offended me as a woman. They, to, to your point, they wouldn't, they would be like, what are you talking about? I'm a feminist or what are you talking about? I have little girls at home. I wouldn't talk to a a female like that. Michelle, you just reminded me of a work event that you and I were at. I won't name what work (laughs) event it was Mm, mm because Michelle and I actually worked together. (laughs) Fun fact. Uh, And um, a man who I won't name, uh, who was very new to the company came to our booth and uh, 
basically, I can't remember, maybe you remember this better than I do without me naming names. You're like, Michelle, who? You're like, Kim, who? Who's it? Um, (laughs) The guy came to the booth and then when he talked to me and you, and I did not notice this, and for whatever reason, he introduced himself to... The, our male counterparts shook their hands, but didn't bother to introduce himself to me and you. Yeah, and Ooh. I and I remember not noticing until you had mentioned it after he walked away. You're like, "Did you notice how we didn't, didn't even bother didn't to matter. ask our names?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> Do you remember this? I don't. I don't. Maybe because there's too many things like that that have happened that I'm like, "Oh, oh. this fool." Um, but I can, um, but I think I know what you're talking about, but yes, um, I, I, I think that's very common I, yeah. and I won't say to maybe to be fair, uh, I've had women do that as well yeah. in the workplace yeah. where, you know, there's been comments made like, oh, you must do this. Michelle is your job. Mm-hmm. Like you must be, you, you know, cause I, um, I think because I look a certain way and when Uh I first started out, I I looked really young and and um, people thought I was younger than I was. And so there was just this assumption that I was like this young girl who didn't who didn't know anything like the Mm -hmm. epitome of like an intern who's dumb and new and doesn't know much. And so I feel like. Um, there's definitely been little comments made even by women who will say things where it's just like, what yeah. that's women, like woman on woman crime. You can't like put me down. You can't do that. <laughs> you can't do that. Do, there needs We're to be a hot together. Yeah. yeah. I hate to say it, but it is one of those things. It's like I've had women bosses who also kind of put women down or yeah. been in, been in um, comedy situations and stuff where it's like, Right. It's not as easy as just having a female boss mm-hmm. or an all-female workplace. Although those things are good. Those things are good, but those people Yeah, it is complicated because women it's not just we a need to Yes, because we also have been taught all this hatred and all this uh terrible uh, uh like thought processes we should have and the way we should behave. It's been trained into us as well. And scarcity has been trained into us as if like, Oh, there's not as many jobs for women or there's not as many women in comedy. There's not a many, uh, not this many women in tech or whatever. So you really have to battle it out if you want to be there. And Mm -hmm. it's like, "Mm, there's no scarcity. There's no scarcity at all. Um, we just need to remove m- mediocre men <laughs> for, uh, out of those scenarios. That's really all it comes down to. Uh, and there's no yeah. scarcity. Um, question I do have for you guys, because I know we need to get into our crushes and talking who our fictional crushes are, but I'll be the first person to admit that I had trouble calling myself a feminist up until my early twenties. I was again, taught these like notions of, oh, feminists are bra burning. They hate men. Um, whatever crazy negative connotations. Which I think goes into the narrative that, that we were fed, right? This Mm -hmm. idea of like, if you're a, if you speak up for yourself as a woman or girl, that you're seen as difficult and bitchy and, um, no one's going to like it, you know, no, right. everyone, not just men, but definitely uh-huh. not men, but everyone's going to dislike that you were standing up for yourself because you're seen as bitchy. And 
<laughs> While if a man speaks up, it's like, oh, he's being assertive. And that still mm-hmm. exists. I mean, mm-hmm. how many times have you mm-hmm. even heard? I've heard it from friends and family. If like a woman speaks up, like, God, why is she so bitchy? <laughs> it's like, but if it's a guy, then it's like, oh, he's just doing what guys do. Yeah. Boys will be boys. Um, my God. <laughs> uh, I navigate that in emails all the time because um, I overcompensate with exclamation points. Or happy <laughs> faces. Yeah, I will great. do that where I'll yeah. be like, oh, I'm just asking for something or I over apologize. Sorry to bother you. Yeah. I need mm-hmm. something. Yeah. And and mm-hmm. lately, I'm like, I just apologizing? Want, yeah. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. I'm just hoping you can yeah. help me out. And I'm like, that just, you can help me. Just. Yeah. Ugh. I put a just in. I know. I'm like now that person when I go to write an email and if I write just out, I'll delete it. I'll immediately delete it. I'm now like super hyper conscious of the just. Um, it's like, why can't I just say I wanted to reach out to you? Why do I need to say I just wanted to reach out? I have to yeah. limit to if you're free. Yeah. yeah, I have to limit it to just let us know. Like, yeah. just let us know if that changes. <laughs> Not like, and so it's on that other person to like communicate. But yeah, yeah, I think I would have. I I went to an all girls school. I feel that changed my outlook and as, as like a teenager and into my college years. I really had this specific way of looking at things. So I think if you approached me as a teenager, I'm not sure what I would have said. I I think I would have struggled with, well, feminism is seen as not good or negative. Mm -hmm. But I feel like being around all girls, predominantly female teachers who are telling me that I can do whatever, I feel empowered. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it really flipped on me when I went to college and I went to a co-ed college and I felt really the opposite of how I felt in mm. in high school where I felt like I had to act differently because there were boys in the class and um, the dynamic was different between how uh, all girls classroom, you know, every, girls would raise their hand and some would speak out, but there was almost like this competitiveness. And I don't know, I wonder what would have happened if I went to like an all girls college, how that would have changed. But I, mm. I don't, so I don't know. I mean, obviously now I feel like I'm, can definitely say I'm a feminist, but growing up, I think I would have struggled like, well, if I say I am, does that make me a bad person? Does that make me not likable? Yeah. Likable. How about you, I don't even remember, I don't remember having an opinion on the term, although I'm sure I did. I mean, in middle school, I would have probably not said it because I was a very, very self-conscious middle schooler Mm, mm -hmm. who was, I have been uh, obsessed with crushes all my life. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) this is a podcast for you. Crushes nonstop. (laughs) So, but in middle school, it was like the crushes compounded by the crippling insecurity. Mm. So I was just constantly like, Oh, how, how do they see me? Um, And then in high school, it was like all the jocks at my school, all the like hot people and athletes left because I was at a magnet school that didn't have sports in oh, high school. Oh, I went to a magnet so school they all too. Left. It was amazing. It was and amazing. And the ruled high school. <laughs> it was the coolest thing. And I had the space in high school to be like, yeah, I want to do debate and like right. raise my hand in class. Yeah. And it's cool. Oh, so I think by high school, I definitely would have said that. And then in college, as many do, I somehow 
became a gender studies major without being one. Like I was a poetry major, but it was all gender focused. Love it. Um, And, you know, I was never the same after that. I mean, how can you be? Everywhere. I mean, how can you be when you realize the gaping hole Mm -hmm. uh, left for women in the world uh, at the hands of men? Well, (laughs) (laughs) speaking of men, (laughs) the better men. (laughs) We're talking the best men, the hottest men, feminist men. Uh, This beautiful voice that you hear joining us is Anna Salinas. She is a writer and improviser that I know from UCB, very talented. And you may know her on Instagram or Twitter for her bad comics by Anna. It's uh, it's hilarious. Like she does really funny, sweet comics on mental health. Uh, Definitely give it a follow. We'll shout it out at the end of the episode. And also... Anna has a very uh, special announcement. She has a new show that she was in the writer's room for called Flatbush Misdemeanors that is coming out on Showtime on May 23rd. This girl's got it going on. Uh, We are so excited to have her here on Crush Fictionally. Let's go ahead and formally start the show. Welcome back to Crush Fictionally. We are talking feminist dudes with Anna Salinas. Anna, we are so excited that you're here. And one of the things that Kim and I were talking about is um, the draw of multidimensional characters. You know, nuanced characters. I think, although we kind of don't know who each other's crushes are today, as I was trying to pick my number one, I was thinking, man, all of these guys, these fictional male characters are also like nuanced and interesting. And I feel like there is a part of that that is because they're either surrounded by women or support women or raised by really strong female characters. Um, So I know we'll get into our crushes in a little bit, but since we just mentioned your new show on Showtime that's coming out that you wrote for um, on May 23rd, Flatbush Misdemeanors, maybe you can tell us a little bit about the show. And I don't know if you can give us like a sneak peek into any of the characters on the show that maybe are your favorite. Yeah, well, so the show's about two guys living in Flatbush, or neither of which is from Flatbush. Um, and they're dealing with, depression, diagnosed and undiagnosed. And I was, it was a very small writer's room. I was brought in sort of to write for one of the female characters who works as a vice principal at a school. Cause I used to be a kindergarten teacher at a school, um, at a, you know, like I think it was not, I think I know it was in East LA. This was in New York, but, um, Yeah. So when I came onto the show, they were like, we don't really know who this character is. Like we don't, Hmm. we don't know her personality. Really. We know she's the love interest. She was a real, like the show is based on a web series. And in the web series, she was a really small character. Um, But in this, she kind of acted as a foil to one of the main male characters, Mm -hmm. who's a teacher. Mm -hmm. And they, they had gotten that note from the network too, where they were like, yeah, she's, she's feeling really flat. And so that's an interesting thing to come in on because uh, I appreciate that they like recognize that and wanted 
that her to be fleshed out. I right. feel like even that yeah. feels kind of new. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, you yeah. to be a but real like, person. Wow. You don't this want is her so to just innovative. to be some like flat love interest, like that you only see a couple times in minor yes. character. So progressive. And it's almost like it's second nature to make the love interest. I'm sure this is true of female writers, but I don't know. Uh, but it's definitely true of male writers where the female love interest just becomes beautiful, alluring. Mm -hmm. And like the male protagonist is embarrassing himself a little bit, or like uh, he's the one driving the jokes. And so Mm -hmm. I got to come in and kind of add my own personal experience. Like she tells a story at one point that's based on me in middle school. Like I was really mean to this girl and I feel horrible about it, but, but you know what I mean? It's that like conflict and it's like, yeah, she needs to be messy. Like she, she, she should smoke. Who cares if she's a vice principal? Like, yeah, she smokes cigarettes. It's shitty. It's bad. It's wrong. Like you need those contradictions. And I see this happen on TV shows. I watch all the time where the non-protagonist female character um or you know maybe there's a few who some of them are like more characters they're all there will always be that one who's like beautiful and smart and always does what's right and you hate that character <laughs> you don't like the character who's that perfect yeah, like on the because show it doesn't Nell, exist like, in real life you know? like nobody is you know yes. like oh when she's perfect. stressed she goes for a run yeah she's always <laughs> yes. right about every ethical oh issue God. she never stress eats right she and if she's eating yes. something it's something really healthy and, and of course <laughs> she's played by a beautiful actress yeah um, who's always thin and, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. and I'm mm-hmm. so tired of it. And she's not funny because all, that is also always a piece of this. Oh, and that is not so true, true across the board. I mean, there's obviously plenty of shows that go against that. And it's one reason I really like the show community because mm. not to go too deep into that, but Britta is a character who was written like that in the pilot where she's like always right and calling out, the male protagonist right, and right, right. like beautiful and mysterious. And then her like character game is that she's preachy and that yeah. whenever she talks to her, it's like, Oh, yeah. again. and then she's also messy and she's depressed and she's older, but in community college. And I think, man, male writers could really learn that. Yeah. I mean, I, hopefully that comes through in Flatbush misdemeanors. Cause I, I really loved working on that show and I felt like so heard. Like Mm, one of the creators would like call me and be like, what Uh, we're stuck on this scene here that we got a note on. Like, what do you think she would say here? And I was like, this is awesome. Yeah. This is like what it should be. Yes, Um, it should. mm -hmm. Oh my God. I love that. Well, now I'm going to tune in. I'm going to tune in most definitely. (laughs) Uh, Um, That is amazing. Again, guys, the show comes out showtime. May twenty third. Mm-hmm. Get those. Uh, can you? Can I buy Showtime monthly? Yes, I can. <laughs> what would I not be able to I'm buy? Sure it <laughs> I'm sure they do. Did you want to buy a daily? You're like just today. <laughs> I'm watch Showtime. Can I buy today. a week package Showtime? They're like, no. Um, Sorry, ma'am. No, you cannot. You need to buy the whole month. <laughs> 
You guys go by oh Showtime however you want, daily, weekly, monthly, annual. yearly. Yeah, <laughs> annual sure. subscription. Watch Anna in uh, her writing in action on Flatbush Misdemeanors. I'm excited. I like Me this sounds too. like a really interesting character. It's nice to see female characters who have depth to them who aren't just Yeah. Not that we have anything against pretty actresses cuz we know a lot of them, but you know that that have some depth to them for sure. I think yeah. it's great. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. Shall we get into these crushes? Mm-hmm. These people have been waiting long enough. They're about to rage Tell through the streets. Tell me about streets. these feminist dudes <laughs> raging through the streets to want to know about feminist we dudes. We want feminist men. And we, it's all yeah. dudes. They're like, <laughs> we want feminist men. That Oh, now that. <laughs> my dream. That's oh my, my porn God. right there. That's my porn right <laughs> yeah. there. Is men I want that rally. Marching through the streets, screaming, <laughs> we want. I think feminist. I said that, Anna, right before you joined. I said, is there anything Harder than a guy, like the hottest thing a guy can do is be a feminist. And I was like, if you saw some guy at like a resist rally, I don't care if he had that Brad Pitt ponytail or not, I'd be like, sign <laughs> me up. So true. <laughs> anyway, Anna, because you are our guest, you get to go first. Who is your favorite fictional feminist male character? So I am a sucker for Jamie Frazier from the show Outlander on Stars. Ooh, we. Um, Tell us more. This is a show my mom got me into. Yes, of course. Uh, which Shout out to that's mom. when you know it's going to be really sexy. Uh, my <laughs> sure. mom watches really sexy period dramas and then will recommend them to me and I'm like, "Oh my god, mom." <laughs> um, Outlander is no exception. There is so much sex and there just is. the most mm-hmm. like female gazy sex. It's great. Um <laughs> They have so much chemistry, uh, Claire and Jamie, who are the romantic leads. And Jamie, when we meet him, he is, here's the thing. Here's the best part. He doesn't start out all the way feminist. Mm-hmm, right. When we meet him, he Sometimes is. Sometimes you have to grow. Mm-hmm. Right. He's living in Scotland. It's like the 1700s because this show is about time travel. So like yep. Claire, who is uh from the 1960s, I want to say, goes back in time, finds him. She goes back in time by accident, meets him, and they kind of immediately fall in love. Like their chemistry is undeniable. It's steamy. Um, I won't give away too much, but um, he's a man of the 1700s. Uh, so he oh, doesn't yeah. understand why she's so stubborn and obstinate. And even living in Scotland, where I like they kind of suggest all the women are like strong. Um, <laughs> Claire is a is a nurse. She's a wartime nurse, so she has all this medical knowledge, and she needs people to listen to her so she can save their lives from all these like 1700s era afflictions. Right, and that's like her superpower going back in time. But obviously, it's a problem because no one wants to listen to a woman. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> like, get in the kitchen. Um, make me a stew. <laughs> Uh, exactly. Don't tell me about penicillin. Just <laughs> exactly. cook me dinner. Don't do surgery on me. Um, and what you see now, I feel like I have to call out a couple of the uh, like kind of red flags of this show. Mm-hmm. One of which is it like gets into race in season three really? and four in a oh. weird way that I don't totally co-sign. They were like, oh, you know, it was also happening in the 1700s. 
slavery. Let's wade into those waters. <gasps> like, Ooh. I oh. don't know that your probably all white room was the room to do that. Uh-oh. Um, but <laughs> that aside, <laughs> yeah. also in the first season, there are some triggering sexual assault mm. situations. Mm. But, and I don't know that this makes it better, but in a lot of shows, it's the woman whose sexual assault is used as a story vehicle. But in this show, without giving too much away, it's the man. Wow. Okay. Kind of both, but really what happens to Jamie Frazier is bad. Wow. But it was interesting. It was like, Mm. I couldn't watch it. It was too hard to watch, but it, Mm. it really shows him in this vulnerable way that kind of decimates any feeling of like, Oh, she's the woman. She's, she's vulnerable. He has to protect her because they're both vulnerable to this tumultuous time Mm -hmm. and both looking out for each other. Mm -hmm. And throughout the course of the season, like he sees how smart she is, how strong she is. All forms of shit are thrown at them. Um, And he comes to really respect her and really love her. Mm. Like, this is a one-woman guy. Their love story spans decades. There's all this, like, yearning. And, like, they always get separated, which makes it so much sexier. Because you're always like, no, they just got back together. Get them together again. But he is just so respectful respectful of her love that um and also so attracted to her all the time <laughs> and it really comes to a head in the final season or the i mean i guess the last two seasons where um i, I don't want to do spoilers but she becomes a doctor mm. she like goes and studies to be a doctor which she had always wanted to do but couldn't do in the time it's a good spoiler and she's mm-hmm. like kind of she's the boss in the relationship at that point mm-hmm. like he kind of defers to her wow um, and he yeah he has to be a leader in different ways but uh it just feels like such a power couple yeah and, mm. yeah it's uh it's the hottest thing I, and i you know it's one thing to watch a guy who's like being a feminist and respectful but like oh they make it hot (laughs) (laughs) you really fast forward the parts you don't want to watch and just get to the sex scenes (laughs) and i promise you it is a great pandemic watch i don't know anna you have convinced me now to watch this show um i'll be honest i watched maybe like the first maybe two episodes and i'm so i'm trying trying to get into it and i've had people tell me oh i think you'll really like it so maybe i just need to stick with it but you sold like me a romance novel i mean push through the boring you know yeah. <laughs> fast forward if you need to i have no judgment <laughs> <laughs> i'm just gonna google high uh, sexy highlights from uh outland on youtube and just watch those <laughs> same that thing exists. right i guarantee that exists. <laughs> um yeah. no this sounds like a great character and i love that i love i mean it does seem to follow kind of um i've recently got into quote-unquote modern paranormal romance novels because my friend sucked me into them and <laughs> <laughs> and you know it's feminism and romance it's like a, i 
I think it's a very fine line. You you want there to be the sexual tension and da 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 or whatever, um, this love and this like there's got to be conflict, of course. But uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I got sucked into this paranormal romance series because the women are very much in control of their own lives, their own sexuality, their intelligence, their thoughts, and they don't want a man telling them what to do, what to say, how to, how to feel. Um, so I, yeah. this sounds like I just need to stick with it um, and not just Google the sexy clips on YouTube. <laughs> you can, Kim. There's no hey, judgment you here. You can, you yeah, can you both. can do both in your spare I time. can do both. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll just bookmark the YouTube uh, for when I'm alone. This right here. <laughs> um, but I think it's interesting. I like that that Anna. You said that he that he really respects her, but he really loves her, and I think that's really mm-hmm. interesting because she is, you know, I, I know that she was like a nurse, um, but she they wrote her as a very like strong character. You know, she's not like this um, female character that necessarily needs to be saved, even though she's she's in a kind of a precarious situation where she's like, I've traveled in time. Oh no. Now what? (laughs) Um, (laughs) In a bad way. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so I think that's really interesting because there are some, uh, there's, I think there's guys in real life too, who'll be like, I'm not intimidated by a strong woman, but if they meet a woman who's like successful or makes more money or I don't know, drives a nice car or nicer than theirs, like there's all of a sudden like this intimidation factor. So I feel like it's nice to see, even if it's a fictional character, a fictional male character pony up and be like, yeah, I'm, that doesn't bother me. I support her and her, um, her career or whatever she, whoever she is as a person, I support her in that without having it be about him as the male character. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's hot, man. It's hot. (laughs) As we said, hot, maybe we're just going to call this episode feminist men who are most definitely hot. Uh, The hottest (laughs) thing. (laughs) That's the longest title on the planet for an episode. Um, uh, Michelle, do you want to go next or shall I go next? You go next. You go ahead. Okay. I know I'm already going to get side-eyed for this character, but my favorite fictional feminist male character is Don Draper. I can explain, guys. Uh, So, Don Draper, for me, and this is the example I'm going to pull out. I think Don Draper suffers from what a lot of men suffer from, which is this conflict of wanting to bestow men, I think... I I don't know if it's society or culture or whatever has been bred into men to believe that they need to be these wise mentoring creatures that bestow their knowledge upon others or whatever. And um, sometimes that just so happens to be a woman. And Peggy Olsen is a fantastic character. Mm. To me, I love her character because uh, I felt... I feel like she really personally resonated with me because I've spent years working in marketing. I started out as an assistant to our chief marketing officer. So I started out in that more admin role, but broke into marketing. And I do credit my manager, a man, um, who gave me that opportunity. Now, I, I and I see myself in her and this Don Draper character. Now, why I'm pulling out Don Draper specifically Uh, or the instances I'm pulling out is a spoiler alert. If you haven't watched Mad Men, well hit pause on this 
podcast go watch it go and then watch, come back like how many yeah. hours of it it took seven, me like seven a, seasons yeah, of yeah, mad men and then come back um but there is this really pivotal scene that i think is actually one of my favorite scenes out of the entire series where peggy finds out she's pregnant she has this baby in secrecy she disappears from the agency no one knows where she went she's at this like um you know, unwed mother's hospital or whatever ridiculous things we used to have for women who were just pregnant. Um, she has this baby uh, and Don Draper shows up and she's in a daze. She's drugged. She's upset. She's confused. Like, fuck, I just had a baby. Like all the emotions I'm, I'm certain he shows up and I'm, I'm never going to do justice to this pep talk and the way, um, that John Hamm delivers a scene, but he says to her, you can move forward. Don't let this hold you back. You can move forward. And uh, obviously we know that it touches upon his own life and his own circumstances and how he, he was able to move his life forward. Granted, probably not in the most honest way, Mm -hmm. but he, he gives her the shove that she needs and he gives her the opportunity to grow her ad or her ad man career, whatever you want to call it. And he treats her like one of the guys. He really does. For many of the seasons, he respects her. He looks to her as if she is on par with Pete Campbell or whomever else bozos they had running around that agency. And I really, truly love that. Even when we first meet Don, he's freaking gallivanting with this like, hippie woman who like doesn't want to get married clearly is living like the single bachelorette life like he very much is attracted to feminist women for many of uh many seasons many different episodes it's very fascinating because he's clearly conflicted and that's why i'm also conflicted bringing this pick into this episode but i do think deep down Don Draper is a feminist, but he has, unfortunately, mommy issues from Mm. losing his mother at a very young age and having an abusive father. Now, granted, now I'm getting, I don't know, Freudian, I suppose. Um, But I... I love, I love his relationship with Peggy. I love how he lets her grow and blossom and pushes her to become what was not given to women at the time. Oh, definitely Uh, not. And he pushes her hard. Like there's, I think it's probably towards like the, like what season, like five or five or six when they're like, um, they move into they have formed their own agency or whatever and she's becoming like one of the main writers and she really wants to be successful and he has a really hard conversation with her and he comes across like kind of as a jerk but i i actually liked that he pushed her and i also liked that there unless i'm forgetting all seven seasons there was never anything romantic between them no never and i'm glad that it wasn't that never. and it wasn't necessarily like a big brother little sister situation it was like he saw something in her that nobody else saw so i will give that to don draper absolutely that i think that he um he saw peggy for what she, for everybody underestimated her. And I think as women, we can all relate to that to some degree of being underestimated and pushed aside. Um, so I'll give that to Don Draper. And who was the gal that he really liked the, um, she was 
an interesting love interest of his, she ran the department store and she oh, was like a Jewish really, woman. She was like a tough cookie yes. and she oh, was really strong fantastic. and he was really attracted to her. And she kind of was not really putting up with his shit for a while. And that, and that. that is the thing yeah. with Don Draper is that he, again, I think this kind of, go, I don't want to speak on behalf of men, but I do think that there is this push pull, right? Of like men feeling like they need to be in control, but also at the same time, not wanting to be in control. It's very, it's, I, I can't verbalize it. And I think this is where Don Draper is having this push pull of like, he wants to have Betty under his you know, thumb or whatever. And he, you know, he wants to have the perfect family uh, structure, the perfect wife or what have you, but he doesn't really want those things. He, he, he wants the challenge. He wants the woman who's an independent thinker who pushes back on him. And we've seen time and time again, uh, he he chases after these things and he can't have them. And I think it's maybe interesting to point out, because I think maybe we talked about it at the beginning of the show, is that uh, is that what society tells it tells us as people and tells men in particular, right? That, well, you should have a woman that you can control and you should be more successful. You can have a successful wife, but she shouldn't be more successful or girlfriend, but she shouldn't be more successful or making more money than you do. Like mm. you're supposed to, you know, wear the pants. And so maybe for Don Draper, he's caught in this dichotomy of here's what society, particularly at that time, was is telling me to be to mm-hmm. to be yes, to wear the course. pants and be right. the powerful man and and keep my wife and kids in check. And then there's his <laughs> his recreational side, who is like always. It, think about like, I don't know. I was like his yeah. like philandering yes. side because he's cheating on his wife, but right. um, but that he's going out and seeking out this this complete opposite in a woman, where it's like definitely like strong, powerful, um, smart women that he was like continually attracted to. Not always, but for the most part, if you look at all across all seven seasons. Yeah, And had he only married one of them, I think he would have been happier. But he was sort of condemned to these flawed, unhappy marriages because he chose the woman in both cases. Yeah. I think he thought he was supposed to choose. Right. Exactly. The the picturesque what society tells me I should choose versus like living this life of like, oh, I can be, <laughs> uh, you guys heard the term dinks, dual income, no kids. <laughs> Where it's <laughs> like, we, don't have, like it. we can both have jobs. We can both be happy adults and be together, but not necessarily get married, not necessarily have kids. I mean, come on. That's like crazy. That's like crazy talk in the 50s, 60s and 70s. Yeah. Um, it's still crazy talk to a lot of people right now um the idea of like never getting married and never having kids really scares the pants off a lot of (laughs) like older generation even younger generation people like what you're not gonna do that um yeah i do think that there is a societal pressure that is also put upon men Mm -hmm. um it doesn't relieve them from uh having done atrocities to women uh but there is a societal pressure that is applied to men and i do think man we're going real deep with don draper but i do think that that (laughs) i do think a lot of that is what matthew weiner and the writers wanted to represent with the show so 
just some very quick fun facts. Speaking of feminists, well, <laughs> I got some good news and some bad news. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the good news is that for several of the seasons, the writer's room was majority women. You had, oh, wow. yeah, Marty Noxon, Lisa Albert, Catter Gordon, Davi Waller, Robin Beath, Catherine Humphreys, and Maria J- uh, Jacques Maton. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Unfortunately, the bad news is that after everything was said and done with Mad Men, Matthew Weiner was accused of sexual harassment allegations and making a lot of his um, female writers feel uncomfortable. So, not good, man. Jeez, uh, talk about like wind in my sails, and then immediately po- poking a hole in one of my sails. Damn! But uh, you can tell that there were women writing for that show. I feel like going back to your point, Anna. The female characters are so vivid. Like even Betty Draper. I think you know as, as much as Fabulous we make her, character. yeah, as much as they want to make her this vapid or like simple, beautiful woman, she is so layered. And I, oh God, I love the writing so much on the show. Um, and, and other few. F- uh, fun facts. I know we talked about Peggy. Apparently, when uh, spoiler alert, Peggy leaves uh, Sterling Cooper Draper Price and she goes out to a- another ad agency and she takes a salary of nineteen thousand dollars a year, which in today's money, which would be one hundred and thirty-one thousand dollars. So not too bad, Peggy. You're doing well. Uh, Mad Men became the first cable basic cable show to be nominated for best drama at the Emmy Awards in 2008. Uh, Don Draper, I did not know this, but I kind of guessed this. Don Draper is partly based on a real person, Draper Daniels, the legendary Chicago ad man who, while creative head at Leo Burnett, invented the marble, marble man. God, I can't say that. Marlboro Man. You got it. You got it. I can't. Don't ask me to do this. Um, And so, uh, long story short, in 2009, this uh, man's wife, uh, she penned a piece for the Chicago Magazine about the real-life Don Draper, noting that Weiner acknowledged that he was based on uh, the protagonist that... uh, Sorry, I don't know if you heard that. A little bit. There's like a huge... Okay. that bad. So in 2009, Daniel's wife penned a piece for Chicago Magazine, uh, basically acknowledging that Weiner used her husband as inspiration. And, uh, you know, I love talking about uh, alternate world or an alternate universe where a different actor played a role. John Hamm, uh, obviously he plays Don Draper. John Slattery, who plays Roger Sterling, mm-hmm. he originally auditioned to play the role of Don Draper. Oh, interesting. Ooh. Yeah, and they uh, ultimately went with John Hamm. And that that also is a very interesting story about how John Hamm, Hamm came into this role because he was signed with WME at the time, I think, and he kept going out for auditions, wasn't getting anything. His agent, I guess, was like getting fed up and was like, we're dropping you. They dropped him, and then he booked Mad Men, and then obviously history. Um, the rest is history, baby. Ah, and that's all I've got to say about Don Draper, my feminist man. <laughs> my feminist, feminist man. man. Pick. I this like week. it. I like that he has um, contradictions. I think mm-hmm. you know Jamie Fraser is a fantasy of a man. Mm. He is. I mean, you watch the show. He's so hot. I love him. Mm. But 
even the way their relationship plays out where they're just like soulmates. Yeah. I don't know if I think soulmates exist. I agree. People change. I agree. Friction happens. Maybe you work it out. You stay together. But I, I think what Don Draper does for Peggy is pretty damn cool. It's pretty damn cool. And I love her character. One of my favorites too. How can you not love her? Like, Oh God, she, uh, she's so imperfectly perfect, but like, I love how on the show, it's not a fucking thing where it's like, I, you are a woman and I just promoted you. Like, there's never this spoken dialogue of how Don's going, you know what I mean? Doing the most for Peggy. It just happens. And I, and I think that is not preachy. Right. And I think that's what makes it so impactful for me. I think there's, um, an episode where she is wanting to ask for a raise Mm -hmm. and uh well uh and uh, she comes to don at a very he's going through a lot of shit he's like really panicking about some shit uh that's flying in his personal life and she comes to him and uh oh i was like damn this is so hard to watch and (laughs) this probably rescinds my feminist uh or makes everybody angry at dawn again but he gets really mad at her and he's like money you want money and he starts throwing money at her and i'm like of course it's a very upsetting scene to see him get so like riled up and like literally tossing money in her face Mm -hmm. but like that to me feels like also a very feminist moment where he's treating her like he would as if Pete Campbell walked in the door. Like he would have done the exact same thing to Pete Campbell. Yeah. He would have been like, you want money? You know what I mean? He would have freaked the fuck out too and throwing his wallet in the dude's face. Like, And the fact that he does that to Peggy and he doesn't put on these like kid gloves and is like, oh, you're a, you're a gentle woman, so I'm not going to lose my hey. shit on you. The fact that he does lose his shit on her, I think only makes it feel even even more like he views her as an equal. I like yeah. their loyalty to each other. Like he is right. like throughout all the episodes, very loyal to her. And he does, he treats her the same as he treats all the, um, the male subordinates in the office or the male coworkers. But I think what's interesting is like in, there's a s- small scene. If I remember like in either the first or second season where he gets, he gets into a jam. Doesn't he get put like in jail or something? Cause he's like drunk driving or yeah. something happens. Mm-hmm. And yep. uh, sorry, pause it here. If you haven't watched and go watch <laughs> Madman again. Um, but he don't know who he's going to call because he was in a, Maybe he was caught with another woman. Sorry, not yeah. trying to blow mm-hmm. up the feminist yeah. bit. But he is caught with another woman. And he doesn't know. There's nobody that he can really call. And he calls Peggy. And I think that's really mm-hmm. what cements um, her in his mind as somebody who is like either a stand-up person because she she bails him out. She helps him. She doesn't even tell her family where she's going or what the scenario is. And she helps him out. Mm-hmm. And she keeps that secret through all the other seasons. She never rats him out to even mm-hmm. to, if she could have used it to her advantage. Absolutely. But she never does. And I feel like that's a pivotal moment when she proves that, you know, she's got like a good character, you know, and she just has a lot of mm-hmm. character and he sees that right away. And then they're loyal to each other pretty much from there on out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they know, 
the each other's deepest, darkest secrets. Mm-hmm. He knows about her pregnancy. Yeah, that and she's got that little boy. Right. He never, like, he never mentions it. He never throws it in his face. He never uses it against her. And there's, like, I think this mutual respect that I really love about this show. And, God, it is one of my favorite shows, if you can already tell. Um, But, yeah, all those reasons. I I don't know why Don Draper was one of the first characters that came to mind when when we came up with this episode theme. You convinced me. Well, Michelle. Yes. We're talking hottie boombalati feminist My men. My character, I think, is a hottie boombalati for sure. Okay. I don't know. He, You guys can tell me whether you think his character is realistic or maybe um, fantasy. But my number one feminist male character is Randall Pearson, Sterling K. Brown from This Is Us. Oh, oh my God. He's so hot. A great choice. Oh, I love this choice. I He was one of the first people I thought of when we came up with this theme. And we were like, oh, this is, is the, who are we going to choose? And he popped into my mind. Um, for those of you who haven't seen This Is Us, it is a show created by Dan Fogelman, who I think is kind of like one of the kings of like the plot twist, you know, you think something's happening in a movie or a TV show and it's (laughs) not what it seems. Um, I I will say that the show is interesting. It's based around um, a married couple. Um, The, the dad is played by Milo Ventimiglia, who we've talked about. Um, definitely mm-hmm. a hot dad. Mm-hmm. and Definitely a hottie. Definitely <laughs> yeah. a hottie. And he and his wife are going to have triplets. And um, this is a bit of a spoiler, so pause and just watch that first episode. They... Um, they end up losing one of their three babies. And so there's another little baby in the hospital and that ends up to be Randall. So they adopt this little baby who was left at a fire station. And so they raise, end up raising three children and two of, two of their children are biological. Their third son obviously is, or their second, their third child, their second son is adopted and black and them trying to deal as a white family, what it's like to raise a black son, um, in, in like the early eighties, eighties, nineties and what that was like and how they were seen and how he identifies as being in this family and how he's seen, as a person outside of it. Anyways, Sterling K. Brown and even the child actors who play the younger versions oh my of him are so oh, he's cute. So cute. But he is just so adorable. He's obviously has uh is raised by um his mom, who is uh played by Mandy Moore. And they have a very cute relationship. I will say that she seems to like favor him as maybe he's like the favorite child. And um, it's just has all the nuances of like, he turns out to just be this really great guy. Um, the relationship that he has with his on-screen wife, um, Beth is the oh cutest God. thing I've ever seen. I agree. I think we've talked about soulmates before. I don't know necessarily also on the, um, that I agree with, uh, Uh, with the idea of soulmates, but they have the cutest fictional marriage that I have ever seen. Mm. Um, And he's 
raising two little girls. And so he's surrounded by all of this really great female energy and he supports all the women in his life. I think he of the three children is the most supportive of his mom who goes through a hard time when she loses her husband. Mm. And as she's going through things in some of the later seasons, he's, I just love his character. He always seems to be like, the stand-up guy doing the right thing. Um, but he's not without his flaws. He does, they do portray um, a little bit of uh, like mental illness and what that's like for him and and working through things like anxiety. And it just, there are scenes where he makes me smile and laugh and other scenes where he just breaks my heart. So I just I... love his character I think in either this season or the last season, um, this is a bit of a spoiler, but he is uh, doing a Kimmel like this. He's doing like um, a live face, a Facebook live or Instagram live. And he forgets that the video is going. And so he starts to change for the gym and he starts taking off his shirt and you can see Uh his six pack. And it's, it's like, PG rated. It's, it's not like R rated or anything, but it's just (laughs) so, it's just such a cute, funny and like relatable moment that he's like helping her his daughter's boyfriend with it like as an intern and he wasn't paying attention and left the video on and now there's like this (laughs) viral video of him taking off his shirt as like you know (laughs) working in a public office so it's just very funny um it's I will say that his storyline is probably my favorite storyline out of all of the characters on the show. It's so good. Um, He is the first, I didn't know this, I had to look this up, but he is the first African-American to win both a Golden Globe and a SAG Award for Outstanding Male Actor in a Drama Series. Crazy. I don't know. Well-deserved, though, because that man man can make me cry within 30 seconds. Like. Oh, he's so in touch with his emotions. I mean, I think part of what makes him so attractive is like, I also think he is a feminist man. The actor Sterling (laughs) K. Brown just exudes this energy of like, I am a kind person and support women. Mm-hmm. He, he does. He has this really great energy. And I just, I think that comes through in this character. Maybe it's like, I don't know if this character is just so true to who he is as a person, but it seems so real. And the relationship that he has with uh, Susan Kalichi Washington is so cute. Watson. Um, they know each other from college. Um, and uh, she's like a classically trained actress. I And I just think that the dialogue between them and the energy between them is really cute. His real life wife was in the show as like a kind of like a bit part. She played another mom, um, but she auditioned to be his wife on screen. Um, And I'm (gasps) not mad about it that she didn't make it, but I think because their energy is so cute. Um, Kim might also like this is that Pamela Adlin makes a, uh, an appearance in This Is Us as his therapist. And That's Sterling K. Right. Brown, speaking of good energy, he personally recommended her for that role that she oh, plays in the show. I love her. Aww, that's adorable. So I just, love her. Speaking of feminist, I just, love her. <laughs> love her. Better things. Watch it. Uh, it's fantastic. Yeah, no, I love this pick, Michelle. Fun fact, I cannot watch more than one episode of This Is Us at a time because my eyes swell up. Like, they... <laughs> 
they get why me do every they do time. this to me why do they do this to me it's every too time much. i think it's not i'm not gonna cry i get to like the end of an episode and and something happens but i think it's a really sweet family story there was maybe a couple episodes and i don't can't remember if it was like season two or three they kind of dragged a little bit for me but stick with it i think uh it's worth seeing this character arc of him being adopted, not knowing his family, and in the latest season, they examine him. The earlier season, they look you get to meet his biological father, mm-hmm. um, which is such a great story. And oh, um, stop it! I, I, lo- that I mean, talk about bawling my eyes out. But then later on in this season, we got to learn a little bit more about his mom's side of the family. And it's very sweet. And he has so many heartfelt moments. And I agree 100% that I I think that Sterling K. Brown must be a feminist in real life because he, I am the way he supports his wife and his daughters and they adopt another little girl, which is, and she's not little. She's kind of like a troubled teen. And it's so sweet how that plays out. I think it's so cute. I just love, love this character. I'm just so happy to talk about him. I like him as an actor, but this role that he plays is one of my favorites. His relationship with his wife, the way he plays it, the way he looks at her, the way he listens to her, mm-hmm. man. That's my point right there. He supports her. I think if we're talking (laughs) about Jamie Frazier, like respecting somebody like his wife wants to go and, and kind of like change her profession. Cause she's like a stay at home mom and she wants to go and uh, kind of do something different, like open a dance studio. I think it was, if I remember correctly. And he fully supports her and not with all these, like not without it's like realistic nuances, not where he's like, this is going to be hard on our family. And this is going to be hard for me. Cause he had this really high powered job. And he's like, I don't know how we're going to do this with two kids. So it doesn't shy away from like the hard conversations and the difficulty of what it's like being in a relationship and being married and having children and having mm-hmm. a job mm-hmm. and him having um, anxiety attacks and going through all these things he's going through with his um, his adopted family and his biological family. But man, they're, the way that they wrote those two characters, I mean, I would just watch the show if it was just Randall and Beth because they're so darn cute and he's so sweet to her. He needs a spinoff. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'd watch that. <laughs> I mean, I mean, this is us keeps throwing in like a new storyline. Like I'm like, every time I think like, okay, okay they've, cut, they've clearly <laughs> gone through everything. They're like, no, now <laughs> we're examining his mom. I'm like, oh, damn. Um, these this is us people They're which they got me with that one and, they got yes. me with that and there's there's a fair amount of um diversity that they've built into the storylines as well like talking about what it's like um being parents to a child who is blind is he blind they i can't remember their son has like mm. a disability or is differently oh. abled um and i think that's an interesting take and then the episode with Randall's biological dad is one of my favorites and not to be trifled is the one about his mom. I've actually seen parts of that episode. I've seen my roommate used to watch this is us. So I've seen <laughs> episodes here and there and I also cannot get through an episode. It's crying. too much. It, they pack in the emotion. They pack in the drama. I can't, the heart of that, the heart of that show Mm-hmm. It's just 
beating so loud. I'm like, it, it it's incredible. Like I can't, I timed myself the, like watching one episode. I was like, how long can I make it through a, this is us episode without crying? I want to say it was three minutes. Oh, <laughs> dang. <laughs> There you go. I'm yeah, a weakling. I cry You're not a weakling. I think they do it. They leave like they definitely do some cliffhangers. There's plot Ugh. twists in there where you're like, who is it? They introduce a new character at the beginning or like a cold open. You're like, I don't know who this person is. And then you get to the end and you're like sobbing and you're like, oh, that's who he is this whole time. I mean, let's be honest. I've tuned in because of a hot Milo, half naked Milo Ventimiglia and stayed for Sterling K. Brown. So. <laughs> Come oh, yeah. for the Milo, stay for the Sterling. Uh, that needs to be a shirt. <laughs> that needs to be their we tagline. Gonna, <laughs> we'll make a shirt for Crush Fictionally. It's come for the Milo, stay for the Sterling. <laughs> People will get it. Um, I love this pick. I think that, uh, God, it, Sterling K. Brown, I think he's such a gifted actor. And I'm uh, the last thing I want to say is that I'm glad that he's like getting all this like work and yes. all this attention because he absolutely broke my heart in Black Panther. I mean, of course he was going to break my heart in Black Panther, but like that that moment where he's talking to a young Michael B. Jordan, a young Eric Killmonger and you're like, oh my God, oh my God. And he's like, why no tears for me, son? Get me out of here. I mean, talk about crying at waterfall. Um God, he's so damn good. He's so, so good. And I want to say, I, I, I should fact check myself as I say this. I want to say that he's really good friends with Brian Tyree Henry. And they're like, oh. re, they're like, like, I don't know if they were like roommates, but were, have been friends as they started this whole acting the gig together and they were in a movie where they played brothers, which I actually really quite liked. And now I can't think of the name of it, but it's like a heist movie. I'll look it up and I'll, and I'll give it a shout out. But I thought he was quite great in that out of care. Not he wasn't um, Randall Pearson, but just as great in it. Mm. Well, um, I did Google it and it appears they met on a play called wig out <gasps> at the Sundance theater lab. Oh, a while ago. I love that. 13 years ago? 13. Yeah. God. So they've been friends for a long time. How yeah. times have changed. Uh, that is awesome. I love that so much. Oh, guys, we got to take a quick break. Uh, but before we do, when we come back, we're going to quickly talk about some upcoming shows and movies. Movies, Michelle? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was like, is it move that we think may have some feminist men in there that you'll be pining over when we return? Hi, I'm Michelle Veray. And I'm Kimberly Trung, and we are the host of Crush Fictionally, a podcast all about your favorite fictional characters from movies, TV shows, and more. Each episode, we pick a theme, curate a list of characters that we love, why we love them, and some fun facts about the people who created them. So if you've ever felt a true connection with a fictional character, tune in to Crush Fictionally on Campfire Media or wherever you find your podcast. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to Crush Fictionally. We are talking feminist men, the hottest kind of man. Uh, now... Now that we've been talking Outlander, uh, Anna, I might look to you to chime in here, but uh, season seven 
has officially been confirmed by stars. Uh, what do we know about it? Apparently it's too early to say uh, to even write Outlander season seven, because apparently they're only just filming season six right now. Um, and if you're wondering when season six is coming out, that's not arriving till 2022. So next year sometime. Um Anna, do you have any uh, predictions for what you think is going to happen in season six or or seven? Are are these the last seasons? Do we know? Uh, I don't know, but on the one hand, the characters have gotten older, oh, and ooh. they have introduced two new characters who are like the younger version of them, kind of. Oh, without giving away any spoilers. But I don't like them as much. Oh. I don't really like the female character. It's spoiler alert. It's Claire and Jamie's daughter. <gasps> but she's like grown up because time travel. Of course. Um, oh. And her love interest is not a feminist Uh-oh. man. He's like controlling. Uh, and he kind of sucks. And he's not hot. <laughs> and it bums me and out because they've hot. been giving these I mean, that's two, like a double whammy. Oh, they've, been, <laughs> they've been giving them more screen time. And it makes me think that... Um, Maybe there's a world where Claire and Jamie leave the show and it keeps going or oh. I don't know what, I don't know what, but um, I hope I'm, the, the, the show is definitely going to go into the American revolution. What? That's like what it's gearing up for. Wow. Cause Holy they shit. have now gone to, um, they've gone to the Americas um, and like wow. where it leaves off in the latest season is like, they're basically like, and soon the revolution will come and we'll be part of oh, it. No. <laughs> oh, I don't know why it, uh, this sounds very funny to me. I, I know they probably did not mean to have a comedic intent, but this sounds, this sounds like they're like, we need to keep this show going and we're running out of ideas. Is what it sounds like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wish they would have stayed in Scotland and France and Europe. Cause like yeah. once they get to America's, we're like, well, I guess we have to talk about slavery because it's here, but we're going to do it in a really obtuse way and be like, no, but mm. these white people are good, but also like kind of complicit in slavery. They're uh-huh. like, slavery is not that important. Let's focus on this stuff. And it's like, oh, but romance. <laughs> but <laughs> but romance. I'm here for the romance. Right. It's more like they've chosen the American Revolution as like their cause. Oh and it's like, I don't know, guys, I'm not I'm not with you. No. But uh, and like the way it touches on like Native American storylines feels really weird. It just feels like. Hey, Outlander, you were probably not the show to do yeah, this. You, you didn't, didn't have, have to. Be to. You. Yeah, you could have left it alone. Yeah. <laughs> you could have left it alone. You had a good thing going. Yeah. No, but I'll still watch it because, you know, I got I mean, I watch it for them. I will Sometimes definitely. you got to see how it plays out. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Michelle, what else do we have coming up that the listeners might be interested in? Uh, well, speaking of hot men um there is a show that is not fictional but it's more of like a reality show uh men in kilts which stars uh which is on stars and stars uh graham mctavish who is also from outlander and sam hewan so it looks really interesting it looks like they travel around from the clips that i've seen um i don't have stars someone tell me if it's worth picking up stars to watch the show um can i buy a daily pass they have a free trial it is worth it. Okay. Oh. I've also seen Men in Kilts. It, if you like me, 
needed a Jamie fix. This is <laughs> Jamie it. Jamie Fraser fix. It works. He seems cool. Seems like a good guy. Okay. I thought, speaking of Sam Hewen, this is a total side note. I thought he was super cute in that movie with Kate McKinnon um, and Mila Kunis, the spy who who dumped me. I think it's called. Oh, yeah. I yeah. He plays the spy. He plays the spy. And I thought, I, I don't know that I necessarily would have looked at him twice, but I looked at him many times in this movie and was like, okay. I would watch this movie again. <laughs> Anyways, oh, yeah. I don't know where you guys can stream that. You. you just Google it. Um, so funny thing. But, yes, Men in Kilts. Oh, Go ahead, the kids. last thing I'll say about Men in Kilts is that they keep showing me this ad for Men in Kilts. I don't have stars. I don't know. I guess they're tra- they're like, lure them in with hot Scottish men or whatever. Um, look, it could work uh, for me, especially. But um, I, for the longest time, couldn't tell if it was a reality show or if it was a scripted show. I, I don't know. The trailer was super confusing to me, but uh, it's good to know that it's a reality show and uh, not just a show about men traveling across. <laughs> yeah, it is a, it's a travel show. I feel like ever since, uh, sadly, the passing of Anthony Bourdain, I feel like mm-hmm. there's a lot of shows that want to be like no reservations where it's like, you know, a travel-based show and you go around and learn things. There's Norman Reedus has a show like that. There's a yeah. couple on like PBS that are like that but this actually looked from the clips that i saw or that were advertised for me probably because we've said stars so many times now my phone will just feed it to me um it it looks pretty um entertaining and it's a hard thing to pull off one of those travel shows i think think um the other thing i came across which has come highly recommended to me is on amazon prime it's called sylvie's love and it stars uh tessa thompson and um it looks like just a really sweet period um, love story. So something we haven't seen before. Um, it's around uh, Tessa Thompson. She plays a young woman who is like an aspiring um, like TV producer, and which in the 1950s is not common if you were a female. And she mm-hmm. um, meets this young man who is a saxophonist. And so they have this really great romance. And then I believe part ways and then kind of maybe find their way back to each other to find that their feelings haven't changed. So it is a movie. Um, again, I've heard so many good things about it. I do love Tessa Thompson. So um, I'm in for this. And if he's supporting her career, I'm even more into it. <laughs> and he plays a saxophone. Check. <laughs> I'm okay with all check, of this. Check. <laughs> um, shall we get into some honorable mentions? Uh You know, I'm not going to lie. I did struggle to find feminist men. I don't know if it was because I'm um, slower these days. That's the pandemic has taken a toll on my brain. Um, But I really struggled to find, I don't know, men that really struck a chord with me in terms of being feminist. Uh, That, of course, we haven't talked about already on this uh, show, Michelle. But the one I will point out now, I'm going to laugh at my own guys. Do the it. X-Files is now rerunning on TV and I'm watching it. I am watching old ass episodes of the X-Files and you got to hand it to Fox Mulder. The way uh, he respects and look towards his counterpart, Dana Scully. It is a wonderful duo. He respects her. 
through and through. They challenge each other. He listens to her. You know, he's a bit stubborn as a character, but he eventually comes around to Scully's oftentimes very logical, very uh, astute advice and guidance. So I'm going to hand it. I'm going to, I'm going to, give a a shout out to Fox Mulder from the X-Files because I apparently this and and this is when Michelle goes have you watched Ted Lasso yet Kim or anything made in the last two years and I'm like no I'm re-watching the X-Files Hey, that's it. Ted Lasso's too easy for a feminist man. Of course. He, he's like perfect. He's so nice. He's so perfect. He's so nice. Although he do- also has uh, some things he's working through. But I, t- I don't know why Ted Lasso didn't hit my list. Maybe because we've talked about him too much. You have, so. Yeah, we've talked about him. But yeah, I did Quite think about Ted Lasso and how I have not watched the show Ted Lasso. But here you I am time. watching X-Files. I think I, they're filming season two right now. So you got time. I've got time. Um... That is my only shout out this week. <laughs> Anna, do you have any honorable mentions that you would like to give a shout out to? Yeah, I think James Mardson in 30 Rock. He plays <gasps> yes. Liz Lemon's oh, love interest at the very end Good. of the series. Yes. He's like the hot guy, but I mean, he is hot, but uh, he's happy to stay at home and uh, raise her eventual children and like he's lovely so oh i love and he that totally one. supports her being a strong working woman oh that is a great choice i forgot all about him uh i think yeah again another show where i'm like kim you need to watch stuff made in the last two years but i'm too busy watching reruns of 30 rock ah uh, yeah yeah eventually in 20 years i'll watch <laughs> ted lasso <laughs> and be like it's all right guys i'm rewatching reruns of ted lasso <laughs> You're like, I did it, guys. Hey, I did it. It's fine. <laughs> anyway, um, any other shout outs or is that your 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 one? That's my one. I, you know, I had a few that I was like, oh, what about this one? And ultimately, just because they were hot didn't also mean they were feminist. I was like, oh, yeah, the Duke and Bridgerton. Wait, no, he's so controlling. He sucks. Uh, but he's so hot. He is hot. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was I that was my one that I felt really good about. Love it. Love it. Great pick. Thank you for reminding me that I also need to watch 30 Rock again. Michelle, mm-hmm. who do you have on your list this week? I have one hot pick and one pick you're like, oh, he's kind of a goofy pick, but I'll say it anyways. I don't care. Um Ben Wyatt, played by Adam Scott in he, Parks and Rec. That's a good one too. Oh, 100%. He loves 100%. Leslie. Nope. He's 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 like a little rough around the edges when we first meet him in the beginning of beginning of the season, uh, whatever that is, season one or two. But man, he supports her. He's willing to stay home with their with their kids. Um and even all her like little quirks and little things, he just fully supports it. And he never makes her the butt of the joke. He's so sweet to her and, and is like uh, always doing like these very sentimental grand gestures. And I, I think this is might be the only time I like Adam Scott. I don't know. Um, anyways, <laughs> I like him. <laughs> He's great and other things, but I think his character in this is one of my absolute favorites. Very endearing. And yeah. 
And then we talked about Black Panther earlier. So I will say Chadwick Boseman as King T'Challa. I mean, he's got an um, entire female army. His right. girlfriend is so smart and he's super into her and he's not intimidated by um, her beauty or her success or her brains. I Love it. So give it up for Chadwick Boseman as Black Panther and King T'Challa. I'm going to add to that. His relationship Hmm. with his sister is another like proof point that he is a strong feminist because he looks at her. He doesn't just treat her as like, oh, you're the dumb little sister or whatever. He lets her shine. He lets Mm -hmm. her do her thing. He trusts her. There's this like wonderful like like just trust yeah. between the two of them that they're going to get shit done. Uh, they have it's amazing. such a cute relationship. And, and I mean, and his mom is so badass. I mean, stop. There's so many great women <laughs> in that movie. I mean, leave me here. How many times I can watch that movie and just love it. Um, but I feel like, uh, yeah, they're, they're not secondary female characters. They're really well-developed, cool ass badass smart women and he listens to them and he supports them and he respects them and they're in positions of power by which he's not intimidated so i could have picked chadwick boseman but i felt like that was such an easy answer and we've probably talked about black panther too much um (laughs) is that possible is that even (laughs) so oh man he's so good so i i definitely say he's one hot feminist Hottie mm-hmm. Boombaladies across yeah. the board. I mean, listen, they are all man. We want feminist men. <laughs> we want <laughs> feminist men. I'm just. Can someone please make this march happen? Where it's just a bunch of feminist men marching through the streets, chanting, "We want feminist men." Uh, and I will you go. You know who Google would lead that? that march is Sterling K. Brown. I believe yeah, this. Would. I do he believe would. this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He'd start oh. like a, he'd do like a, a Instagram live and tell all his followers who are men to like join this march, and they would all show up, <laughs> and he would lead it. I'm I'm ready to watch that on Instagram live and just replay it over and over again while going between my browser on YouTube that just plays the sexy romance scenes from Outlander. I'm ready for this. Anna, we had such a great time having you as our guest. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, Where can the people follow you? Uh, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at bad comics by Anna. That's bad comics with an X and Anna with two N's. Um, and yeah, uh, I also have a website that's bad comics by Anna.com also, but I feel like people don't give their websites, but that's got like all my other stuff. Um, but this was so fun. I love talking about crushes. Yeah, Just love it. We're well, so we loved you having got, you. You got great picks, so we love it. Oh, great, great picks. And folks, if you need a reminder, check out Flatbush Misdemeanors coming out on Showtime on May 23rd. Get that free trial, whatever you need to do. If you don't already have Showtime, get one, you know, hit up your Facebook network. Ask who has a Showtime login that you can, like, mm-hmm. um you know, steal for ever. Um, I'm pretty sure about 15 people have access to my Netflix account. Just putting it out there. Mm. Things are possible. Mm-hmm. Um, again, Anna, thank you so much. Thank you. And uh, someone get that March started for me. 
We want feminist yes. men. We want feminist <laughs> men. We want feminist men. In between episodes, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Crush Fictionally. And feel free to slide into those DMs. Or tell us about your favorite fictional crush when you leave us a review on Apple Podcast, and we'll read your crush out loud on the next episode. You've been listening to Crush Fictionally with original music by the talented Edith Mudge, artwork by the incredible Rose Feddock, and produced by the amazing Peter Burns. Thanks for listening. I'm Michelle Veray. And I'm Kimberly Trung. And remember to love yourself. Because your love is real. wanted to hear the story of the time that Melissa Fumero from Brooklyn Nine-Nine's kid had a two-hour-long tantrum that drove generations of their family to weep? Or maybe the story of SNL's Bobby Moynihan's kid who found random pizza in a playground sandbox and ate it? If so, you should check out Why Mommy Drinks, a weekly comedy podcast where I, Betsy Stover, talk to interesting people like Richard Jefferson from the NBA or Rachel Bloom from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend about a time that their kids broke them down into a shell of their former selves or maybe even drove them to drink. But in a fun way. If you have kids, this show will make you feel less alone. And if you don't have kids, you're going to be so glad you don't have kids. Listen on Campfire Media, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. My mommy drinks. Campfire.